I've come with an agenda this morning that is different than other Sundays. If this is one of your first times with us, we welcome you. Thank you for being a part of our service this morning. And uh, boy, you're just hardy Minnesotans. Cold weather's not going to keep you out of the house of God. Or actually, maybe there's just no other options. You kind of had to come to church. I don't know which is the case, but we're glad that you're here. Those of you that are watching online, thank you for being with us as well. And uh, we trust that you're going to get blessed in this service. As I like to do, why don't you let us know where you're watching from. Uh, what, other, what part of the country, the world, the city, the state, whatever it might be, let us know what that is. And uh, uh, the things that we talk about this morning for all of us, I think, are relevant and important. And I want to just uh, just jump right into this morning. We have, are, are on the fourth week of a series that we're calling Tired of Tired. And I know that sometimes, particularly if you have either missed a week or two, or this is one of your first Sundays here at Joy, you might feel like, well, I'm getting in on the end of it. I, I'm getting, I, I'm not going to get all of it. It's like getting into a movie at the very end of it or reading a book from the last chapter of a book, uh, which some of us have done that in school. Anyway, um, I, I would encourage you in two things. Number one, this is going to be relevant to you regardless of, of what you've learned or what you may or may not have missed. But secondly, we always archive our services. Uh, these, this, these messages are available online at greatjoy.org. I would encourage you to listen to these messages uh, again. I I'll say it like this. <clears throat> We've only, we're, 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 we're talking about a sound mind. We're talking about, about really, in one sense, mental health. And uh, it is a very top of the mind topic uh, as well. And I know that sometimes in the church world, we kind of shy away from this kind of a topic because we feel like everything should be spiritual. And if, if Jesus is in your life, then you shouldn't have any problems at all. And, and, and why would you need therapy or counseling? Why would you need some kind of help in some other way? I mean, isn't Jesus the one who meets all of your needs? And yes, he certainly is. And yes, he is the one that can set us free from every bondage, every addiction, every habit. He can set us free from those things. But sometimes we struggle with things. Anyone familiar with that? And so (laughs) I have found this, that, that, that while we have just begun to scratch the surface of this topic, and as we have been talking over the last couple of weeks among our staff, we're going to revisit this topic again sometime in the new year and um, maybe take a little bit more in-depth of a look at it because while I say we've only scratched the surface, I feel like we've definitely hit a nerve. We have definitely have hit something that is a point of pain for people and a point of hunger for people. And so we've been trying to list some things, give some things that can help you. And Pastor John did a great, great job last week with his message and, 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 and what he shared with us. I want to remind you of where we started from. It's in, in uh, 3 John, uh, 3 John, there's, uh, 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray, I pray. And he's writing to a great friend. He said, I pray that you would prosper and be in, in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. This was the heartfelt prayer of John towards a friend of his, and I think it's applicable to all of us, that we should desire some of these things. He said, I pray that you would prosper in all things. How many of you know that you can prosper financially? But that's not the only way that you can prosper. How many of you know you can prosper physically? If you've ever been sick, if you've ever been in the hospital, you know what prosperity of health looks like. You can prosper relationally. Some of you have not prospered relationally. 
And there's a pain there, isn't it? I don't mean to make light of that at all. But you know the difference. You know that you can prosper in many, many different areas. And yet here John is being specific. He said, I pray that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your soul is your mind. It is your will. It is your emotions. It is that center part of your being. You are a spirit being. That's the real you. You're a spirit being. You possess a mind or a soul. And you live inside this body. And as I like to say, all of us have spent our, the entirety of our life inside this house, inside this body, inside this flesh and blood. And we are very accustomed to how it feels, how it reacts. We are accustomed, accustomed to letting it kind of have its way sometimes. And we don't know that there's a different option. And so when you're born again and make Jesus the Lord of your life, your spirit is made brand new. You become what Paul said, a new creation in Christ and all things pass away and all things become brand new. That's here. But you still got the same body and you still got the same thought process. You have the same body, but you still have the same mind. You have the same stinking thinking. If you had bad breath before you got born again, you still got bad breath after. Your body doesn't necessarily change. Your mind doesn't necessarily change. Your spirit is made brand new. And your flesh still wants to follow the dictates. It still wants to go. It wants to do what I want to do. But now there's a new sheriff in town called the Holy Spirit. And as we have learned, sometimes what you want for you, sometimes what you want for you is different than what God wants for you. And when that happens, you're faced with a decision. And that decision is what direction am I going to go? Am I going to go God's direction? Uh, I'm sorry, this is my flesh direction because I've been using that illustration. Am I going to go with my flesh? Am I going to get angry and lash out at them? Or am I going to go with my spirit and let peace prevail? That's why I say your mind is the hinge. Your mind is the center point, which is why Paul spent a lot of time talking about your mind. He was talking about Renewing our mind, changing the way that we think. I've been asked this question, is it really possible to change the way that you think? Is it really possible? I mean, I've been, I have learned these things, gone through these things, and is it really, really possible? It is, but it takes work, and we don't like work. I, I've said this many times, that Christianity is simple, it's just not easy. And we prefer easy. We prefer somebody to lay their hands on us and pray over us and have all of our problems go away, have all of our pains go away, have all of our past go away. No, Jesus did that. He did that by the blood of the cross. He took your past away and he buried it. He defeated it and he left it powerless and empty. And there's a brand new future now for you in your life. And so when we talk about mental health, and really mental health, to me, mental health, that phrase mental health, the idea of that and a, a, a sound mind is the same thing. And there are some people, because of trauma and abuse in their life, uh, you know, they, they feel like they are less than. Because they've been told all their life that they're an accident. They've been told all their life that they're no good. And, and, and then their life lived up to the vision of those words. And they began to see themselves in that same light. And when they saw themselves in that same light, they lived that life. And they couldn't move beyond that life because of how they saw themselves. Because of the words that they heard. And it set a course of their life. It charted their destiny. And I'm here this morning to tell you, you don't have to live there. I say, you don't have to live there. 
And for some of you, I know there's horrible, painful things that you've gone through and horrible, painful things that you've experienced and you've kind of put a salve over it. You've sort of, you know, just kind of learned to get along. But God wants more for you than that. I believe that with all of my heart, that God has more for you. He wants you to live in that freedom. He wants you to live in that health. And I know that there are others that, that and, and you know, when we talk about mental health, and, and I'm a pastor, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not any of those things, which if I, you probably didn't need me to point that out to you, but I'm not any of those things. I'm a pastor, but I know how to read. And I, I've talked to enough people. Some of you would benefit from talking to a, a real counselor. Somebody to help you sort through some of those emotions. Sort through some of those traumas. Sort through some of those things so that you can get your hands around what is healthy thinking. There are some that have chemical imbalances that, that, that maybe, maybe, maybe. I know Pastor John said whatever it was last week, a, a gazillion people are on some kind of meds and all that thing. And we know that the pharmaceutical industries, they're in it to make money. Not necessarily to help people, but there are things that help people. Amen. There are things that help people. And it's okay. There's been a, man, there has been somewhat of a, I don't know, I guess we feel like, let me say it this way, let me use this illustration. How many of you have ever broken a bone and you had to have a cast? And at first that cast was kind of uncomfortable, but wasn't it kind of cool, especially, and I remember as a kid, I kind of wished that I would have broken something so that I could go to school with a cast. Because there were things I didn't have to do, but then you got to have all the kids sign your cast. Hey, you want to sign my cast? And a lot of times it was girls that wanted to sign the cast, you know? And so it's like, man, that's a, that's a, I, I was envious of people that had a cast. And you get attention. It's like, oh, what happened? You get to tell the story. But when you've gone through some kind of an emotional trauma, when you've gone through something that is difficult and that is, that, that's hard, it's like, we don't want anybody to point it out. We don't want anybody getting close to it. And there's a stigma in, in the, sometimes in the body of Christ, like, well, you're a Christian. All of your problems should be over. Yeah, well, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> and the reason that we're talking about this in the way that we are, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, be careful how you think. I love this verse. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. What you give your mind to, what you give your mind over to, it will direct your life. It will direct, your thoughts will direct your steps. Your thoughts will direct and set in motion your life. And your thoughts are formed primarily by experiences and by words that you hear people say. Last week when Pastor John was preaching, he mentioned uh, the book of Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3. He, he was talking about a bent soul. And I, that for, for whatever reason, that idea of a bent soul just really resonated on the inside of me. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 19, the New American Standard, it says this, Remember my misery and my homelessness. Not a real positive scripture for a Sunday morning, but hang on. Remember my misery and my homelessness, the wormwood and the bitterness. And, and again, I know some of you feel some of this pain. You understand what's going on. Verse Verse 20, my soul, my soul certainly remembers and is bent over within me. 
My soul is bent over in me. My, my soul is, is bowed down. My soul can't stand up right. It can't stand up strong. It can't stand up straight because of what I'm remembering. I went to some other translations. The Evangelical Heritage Version says, My soul always remembers and it has sunk within me. The Christian Standard Bible says, I continually remember them and have become depressed. The Living Bible says, for I can never forget these awful years. Always my soul will live in utter shame. Look at how that idea of a bent soul is, is translated by the different people. My soul sunk, my soul was depressed, and I live in utter shame. Man, if that is not a recipe, if that is not is what happens to people because of what they remember, because of what they think about, because of all of those other things. And, and here the writer is saying what we just read in the book of Proverbs. He's saying, I, I, because he said, I always remember, I continually have these thoughts and now these thoughts are directing my life and they're bringing me to shame. They're bringing me to depression. They're bringing me to a weakness and a tiredness. But I'm here to tell you again this morning, there is a cure. There is a way out. Thank you for that excitement this morning. I want to talk to you briefly about the prophet Elijah. The prophet Elijah, there are some scholars that say that Elijah was, was, was experiencing stress and anxiety and depression and burnout because of all the things that were going on in Elijah's life. And, and, and just a, a real quick resume of Elijah. Elijah was a very powerful man of God. He was used by God in extraordinary ways. There was a point in, in his life where God said, I need you to go to the king, King Ahab. He was a horrible king, very, very evil king. He, goes, I, I, he said, I need you to confront the king. And you need to tell him that because of his sin and because of his conduct, it is not going to rain for three years. Well, you can imagine that would make him a little bit nervous. It's like, you know, only the most powerful person in the country who could say, off with his head. And, you know, I mean, I, before he ever got the words out. And so he went to the king and he said, hey, you need to change your ways. And if you don't, it's not going to rain anymore, no more, no more. It ain't going to rain no more. Anybody know that song? Wow. My mom used to sing that all the time. How in the heck can the old folks tell that it ain't going to rain no more? Ain't going to rain no more? All right. Meanwhile, back at the sermon. All right. <laughs> so... So he goes to the king and says, hey, it's not going to rain. Well, the king didn't like that. And so the king says, I'm going to kill you. And for the next couple of years, Elijah's on the run. And, and he is going from city to city, town to town, through the wilderness, trying to evade and escape people that want to take his life. And during that time, God miraculously sustains him and comforts him and takes care of him. There's a point where all kinds of, actually, there's a point in, 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 during that season, during that time, that he raises a widow's son from the dead. Tremendous miracle. He comes back and he confronts the 850 false prophets. He calls fire down from heaven and they're all, man, it was a barbecue uh, that you wouldn't want to be invited to. They all died, and, and he had a tremendous, tremendous victory. King Ahab had a wife. Anybody know what his wife's name was? Jezebel. Jezebel's amazing. I think she's kind of like, all right, Ahab, you had your chance. You couldn't get it done. Let me have a chance. And she found him, and she said, found Elijah, she said, Tomorrow at this time, let me see what time it is. Yeah, okay, 1042. Tomorrow at this time, you're going to be dead. That's all she did. You're going to be dead. Here's the great man of God. Here's the powerful man of God that God greatly used. 
the words that she said, she didn't have an army. She didn't have any ninjas. She didn't have anything at all that could sneak up on him. And kill. She, she, by the power of some words, what you think about your life lives out. What you give your mind to. We've said this many times from this pulpit that words paint pictures. Words paint pictures. And you need to be careful about what you let people say about you. And, and some of you, again, grew up, and I know this feeling. Some of you grew up with people who did not speak positive things into your life. Some of you grew up with words spoken over you that you will never live up to, that you will never amount to anything, that, 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 that there's always something wrong, that you could always do something better. And there's this need to prove yourself. There's this need to be able to feel like you are somebody. And so you respond to that. And words paint pictures, which is why I want to remind you again, never forget that word, words paint pictures, so be careful who you give the paintbrush to. I would highly recommend to you that you let this be the paintbrush of your life. I said, let this be the paintbrush of your life. My life is different because this is now the paintbrush there's a boldness and a strength that I never had and a confidence that I never had because this became the paintbrush of my life. I wish, I'm an incom, I know right now I am an incomplete picture. But I'm farther along than I was last week, last month, and last year. This is a paintbrush that will change your life. And so we find this story in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Why was he afraid? He was afraid because of what Jezebel said. He responded in fear to the words that she said. Notice what he did. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. God's mighty, mighty man of faith wanted to die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. <laughs> you know what? I think that might be one of the most common prayers in the Bible. God, I've had enough. I'm at the end. I can't go any farther. I don't know what to do. I reached that point. Almost reached that point a few a month ago or so. It's like, God, I, I don't get it. I wasn't ready to quit, but I don't get it. I don't understand. Thank God there was a, a foundation in me. But, but it says, he said, I've had enough, Lord. And he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down under a bush and he fell asleep. God's mighty man of faith and valor. All of the things that he experienced from God and yet he reached a point, he said, I've had enough. I'm done. Which proves again the point that we've made the last couple of weeks. <laughs> if you struggle emotionally, if you struggle in your mind, if you struggle in these things, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. That doesn't mean that God is finished with you. All that means is that you are human. All God's people from time to time struggle with feelings, struggle with emotions, struggle with these things. Well, how did he get in this condition? I think it's here in the verse. How did he get to the point? He said, man, I'm done. I'm do I'm, I've hit the wall. I can't go any farther. I'm done. Notice what he did. He ran for his life. How many of you are running for your life? You might not be running in fear because somebody wants to kill you, but you're running in fear because you think you don't have enough money. You're running for your life because you think you don't have enough popularity and you're looking for people to acknowledge and to esteem you. And so you spend an inordinate amount of time on, on social media, clicks and likes. 
You're running for your life because you're so busy. You're running for your life because you want to measure up. You're running for your life because you feel like you've fallen short and, and, and you feel like all the burden is on you. And the second thing that happened because of all those things, the second thing, it says he came to Beersheba in Judah and he left his servant there. He tried to do it all by himself. Man, don't fall for that. This is why we preach groups here at Joy. I think that every person at some time and point in life should be in a small group because that's where you get encouragement. That's where iron will sharpen iron. That's where a brother is born for, an, for adversity. And, and, and the Bible helps us and says that we are supposed to do the one another's, love one another, care for one another, pray for one another. Well, if you don't have a one another in your life, you're doing it alone. You're going alone. And eventually you're going to hit the wall. And then the third thing, he said, I've had enough, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors at all. And, and, and all of the things brought him to a point where all he could see was the negative. How many of you have ever been around, I won't even say it, ooh, I almost said it. How many of you have been around really negative people? How many of you have ever been a really negative person? <laughs> How many of the person next to you is lying? <laughs> He was dwelling on the negative things of his life. And he's like, man, I'm no better than my ancestors. I started out really good, but I come from a long line of losers. I come from a long line of quitters. And I guess I'm just a quitter too. But at that point, God wasn't finished with Elijah. And God's not finished with you, and he's not finished with me. In verse 5 of 1 Kings 19, it says, He laid down under a bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, You lousy, no good prophet. I've come with a word from God for you, and you are a, you're just the sorriest prophet I've ever seen. Can you, all the things that God's done for you, and now you just want to quit? Now you, no, that's not what the angel said. In fact, this angel has now become my favorite, favorite angel because of what he said to Elijah. He said, Get up and eat. I like that angel. I mean, we're going to be talking about the angel that came to Mary. Hey, you're highly favored. I know you've never been with a man, but you're going to be pregnant. Remember that engagement? Not going to go so well. <laughs> I like this guy. Rise and eat. Get up and eat. He looked around. But you know what? Here's the thing that I like about Get up and How many of you know how to eat? You know, Pastor John said this last week. I don't think he realized how important it was. But he says, you need to change, I forget exactly how he said it, you need to change your stature, you need to change your posture. And sometimes you just need one thing that you can do. One thing that you, because reading the entire Bible is overwhelming. Amen? Man, we get bogged down by, you know, we get bogged down pretty quick. It's kind of boring. Sorry, God. New Testament is awesome. There's books of the Bible that are great. But you need to change your posture. You need to find something that you can do. When I was in my funk, it was something Pastor Tommy reminded me of when he, when he was just talking in general, which is how God does things. God will take the normal and the ordinary and do something extraordinary with it. But he just mentioned a, a pastor by the name of Chris Hodges, and he talked about the first 15. First 15 minutes of your day, five minutes in the Bible, five minutes in prayer, five minutes of worship. I'll be honest with you, there was a point where I didn't really want to do any of those things. I was doing them, but I did not want to. I was praying my prayer. God, I don't want to, but I want to want to. I know I need to. I know I, know, I, know I need this, but I don't want to. 
And it wasn't that I was mad at God. I just was, I don't know. I feel like maybe Elijah, I hit the wall. I'm done. But I wasn't done, done. Anyway, those were three things I could do. I have an Apple watch and I could set my little timer, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. That made all the difference. That was something that I could do. And I think by virtue of the angel saying, get up and eat, he knew that that was the first step. He knew that that was something that Elijah could do. And, and just in the natural, just in the natural, we all know that a good diet, exercise, rest, all of those things are so important to our emotional well-being. The effect of food on our life is, is incredible and, and, and it doesn't always help us. And so those things are important. But I also think there's something else that is in here. The right spiritual diet as well will give us faith. It will give us strength. It will give us energy. And so, uh, where are we? we verse 11. God now has Elijah in a position to hear. We find the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Everybody say the presence of the Lord. This is where things change. Things change when you're in the presence of God. Things change when you're in an atmosphere of God's presence and of God's life. He said, stand uh, on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. God's going to show up. And then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper. Wasn't in all those other things, wasn't in all those extraordinary things, miraculous things, he was in a whisper. He was in a whisper. And I don't, Pastor Tommy's mention, just a mention, just a mention of the first 15 was not anything extraordinary. Something I've heard before, something I knew about, but it sparked something in me that led to something powerful happening in my life that helped me get out of a funk that I was in. See, God's not always in the extraordinary. We're waiting for the big thing. We're waiting for the miraculous thing. We're think, waiting for the powerful thing. We think, well, what could five minutes of Bible reading do for me? What could only five minutes of prayer? Five minutes might seem like a really long time. What do I do during worship? Put on some music. Let them help you. Help me help you. Let me <laughs> Elijah was in a cave but it was a whisper that drew him out. If you're in a cave this morning, there's a whisper for you. And here's what I like about the whisper. I, you know, what time is it? We, uh, I am actually, if, if I do the profile things, I'm actually a little bit of an introvert. I know that's hard to believe, but I really am. When I'm under the anointing, I get really loud. And I like big, I like loud, I like, I like that. Anybody ever notice that? I mean, I like that. But, but, Gordy, would you come here for a sec? Now, I can be addressing you and I can be talking. I don't even need a microphone.
then when I whispered to Gordy, you can go away now. <laughs> Give Gordy a hand. I told Gord, I told, I said to Gordy, I said, they don't know that I'm whispering and telling you that you are a manly man and that you are the biggest studly guy out here and all the, you don't know, they don't know that I'm saying those things and they don't know that I'm lying either. So that's what I, that's what I told him. <laughs> Gordy, you are a man's man. All right. I felt awkward saying that. But anyway, uh, my point simply is this. You couldn't hear what I was saying because I was whispering. You had to be close to me to be able to hear. Could you hear me say that? No? Could you hear me say that? No? Okay. So you got to be close enough for God to be able to whisper in your ear. You need to be close to him. So let me go back to the book of Lamentations and share with you a couple of thoughts that I think will help you this morning. In Lamentations, I started with that. I want to ask you this question. How's your diet? Because things will only change in the presence of God and having the right diet. The right diet is God's word. The, the right atmosphere is in the presence of the Lord. So how's your diet? Are you consuming more of media and the news and all of the other things than you are the presence of God, the word of God, the spirit of God? Because your life is set in motion by the words that you hear. Those words will paint a picture on your soul that you will begin to live out. In Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 19, you heard this first part. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. See, he's drawing a contest contrast between what I can't forget, what I can't let go of, what I, what I can't, I can't get out of my mind. But I'm making a choice to remember something. And what's he going to remember? Because what he's remembering, it says it produces hope in your life. And it's got to start with hope. You have to believe that something can be different. You have to believe that something can change. You have to believe that the funk and the fog and the darkness and the cave that you might be in, you can be free of that. <coughs> so he said, I still dare to hope because I remember one thing. Verse 22, the faithful love of the Lord never ends and his mercies never cease. The idea of mercy is that we get, we don't get what we deserve. Grace is when you get what you didn't deserve. You did not deserve freedom. You don't deserve the forgiveness of sins. You didn't, you didn't deserve any of those things. It was a gift of God's love to you. That's grace. But mercy is different. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. How many of you are glad for mercy? Because we deserved hell. And, and, and some of us have done stupid things and we deserve the pain. We deserve the suffering. We deserve those things. But God said his mercies are new every single day. You messed up yesterday. Well, when you woke up this morning, there's a brand new batch of mercy available to you. And I hope that your hope will be kindled, that your hope would be renewed. He said, the faithful love of the Lord never ends and his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each and every morning. Pastor Brian expanded translation there, sorry. So how do we do this? 
how do we do this? I have, let me just make a statement to you. Well, let me read Isaiah chapter 54. Jerusalem, sing. You are now like a woman who never had a child. Now, I don't know a lot about a woman's heartache that wants to have a child and can't. I have talked to people in my life, in my ministry, that their hearts desire. We had a couple in Pennsylvania. They wanted a child so bad. They hated Mother's Day. Wouldn't come to church on Mother's Day. Got to a point where I don't want anybody to pray for me to have a child. They were heartbroken. And we hit, hit that point in our life sometimes. Where, man, we're just heartbroken over the events that we can't change. And yet here he's saying, you're now like a woman who never had a child burst into song. Shout for joy. And maybe some of you are here today, I, I wish I didn't have that child. I'd shout for joy. No, I hope that's not you. <laughs> to shout for joy, you that never had labor pains, you're now all alone. Well, that seems kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Why would I, why should I do that? I desire and want a child, but I can't have one. You're telling me to shout for joy? You're telling me to sing? Notice what God says. But you will have more children than a woman who still has a husband, says the Lord. Now, Isaiah is not talking about a physical pregnancy here. He's talking about the nation of Israel. He said, God's got a plan. It may seem like the plan is barren. It may seem like the plan is empty. It may seem like the plan is unfruitful, that it's not going to come to pass, that nothing is going to happen from it. But you know what? When you're at that point, that's a point that you can sing. That's a point that you can rejoice. That's a point where you can break forth into praise and singing and shouting because your God is for you and he's not against you. He's on your side. He is great and he is powerful. And when we don't have strength in and of ourselves, he becomes our strength and we went, when we don't have a song to sing he becomes the joy and the singing and the rejoicing of our heart and so there might be times just because you don't see it right now does not mean you won't have it just because you're not experiencing freedom or, or, or a, a, a sound mind a joyful mind doesn't mean that you will never have it let hope rise up in your heart because sometimes you ready for the punchline sometimes you're going to have to start singing before you ever see it Sometimes you're going to have to engage the presence of God in a song. And you're going to have to sing for joy, even though everything on the inside of you, and that's what happened to me. There was nothing in me that wanted to sing. Nothing in me that wanted to praise. Nothing in me that wanted to give thanks. But when I began to do it, I began to sense the Spirit of God and the presence of God. And suddenly, suddenly, after a long time, suddenly, all of that pain began to lift. I didn't have any more understanding than I did before. I didn't have any more uh, revelation than I did before. But God did something in my life. And so, Isaiah 61, and I'll finish with this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because... Now, Jesus quoted this when he went to the the synagogue in in the Gospels as his public ministry began to be launched. He quoted from this and he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Good tidings is good news. And you might be wondering, why did I come to church today? You might be wondering online, why did I even bother to tune in? And I don't know, I guess I'm going to do it. It's because you needed to hear some good news. Some of you need to hear good news because you've had a diet of bad news. You didn't know better, but now you do. He said, he's 
anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The one who heals broken hearts is here. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Are you captive to addiction? Are you captive to depression? Are you captive to a funk that you can't get out of? The deliverer is here. But sometimes you're going to have to sing before you see. Sometimes you're going to have to praise before that heaviness is lifted. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive, to the opening of prison, to those that are bound. Are you feeling bound up emotionally? Are you feeling bound up in some way? The one who has the key to the lock that is holding you captive, he's here this morning. And he says this, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To console the ones who mourn in Zion. Zion is a type of the church. To comfort those who are in mourning. Church, the comforter is here this morning. But sometimes you got to sing before you see. Sometimes you have to engage the presence of God in worship. Sometimes you have to lay down your pain so that you can take up the praise that God wants us to offer to him. And then notice what he says. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. I heard somebody say this one time, man, it just went off in me. I thought it was so good. You know, it's one thing to remodel something. It's one thing to repair something. But when something burns down, (laughs) there's no hope of ever putting that back together again. You have to start all over. And you might look over the course of your life and you see ashes of a business. You see ashes of a relationship. You see ashes of, love, uh, of, of things that you've loved and lost and, and, and all of those other things. But notice what he said, to give them beauty. God can take that emptiness, that desolation, and turn it into something beautiful. The oil of joy for mourning. <laughs> the oil of joy for mourning. That morning on a Tuesday morning the presence of God came into my office man I experienced the oil of joy like I hadn't in a long time as I shared a couple of weeks ago it was about 7 o'clock in the morning nobody else was in the church at all and I am thumping and bumping and running and dancing in my office I was so glad that nobody was around because the oil of joy came on me in a powerful 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 way and I rejoiced I was glad and I danced. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. But sometimes you got to sing before you see. Sometimes you have to let out a a shout of praise. Sometimes you have to let out a a, a love song to the Lord. Sometimes you have to shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Sometimes you got to do those things because it shakes and it jars and it brings a boldness into your life. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise. You want to get rid of heaviness? You want to get rid of that funk? You want to get rid of depression? It starts with praise. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Are you tired of being tired? Because if you're tired of being tired, if you're really, really tired, because I know some of you aren't believing me this morning, some of you aren't hearing what I'm saying this morning, because you're still in your funk, you're still in your tiredness, you're not willing to let it go, you're embarrassed to actually praise God. You're embarrassed because you're afraid of what somebody else is going to think. 
But I tell you this morning, there's freedom that is here right now, but you will not drink from it until you begin to open your mouth, until you begin to open your heart, until you begin to spread your arms. And you say, God, I want you more than anything else. God, I need you more than anything else. God, I want your presence and I want your life. And I am tired of tired. I am sick and tired of this. And I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to exalt you. And I'm going to praise you. And my mouth will be filled with your praise. And I will not be silent. But we want to sit on our blessed assurances and not do anything. I'm talking to you this morning. Stand up. Come on. Do you really mean business with God? That wasn't even half-hearted. If you want to get rid of the funk, if you want to, it's here right now. There's an anointing here right now to break the chains. There's an anointing right now to bring freedom to the captive. There's an anointing right now that the heaviness and the burden and the brokenheartedness is going to fall off of you this morning. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Let's be in business with God. Oh, Father, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We exalt you. Oh, God, bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Father, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We praise you. We praise you. Oh, we praise you. We praise you. Let your glory fall. Let your presence fall. Oh, Father, bring freedom. Ah, Father, for the ones that have no hope, bring hope. Oh, Father, we praise you. Yeah, we praise you. 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 Father, do a work. Do a work. Do a work. Do a work. Oh, Rebasamandakia. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Father. Glory to God. Some of you are here this morning. You're like, man, I don't know what I just walked into. Never been in something like this. I'll be honest with you. I haven't been in something like this for a long time. (laughs) But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hmm. The presence of God. Because that's where life change happens. (laughs) That's where hope is found. It's in God's presence. That's where life gets ignited. It is where vision is renewed and restored in the presence of God. (laughs) Things that our mind doesn't understand, our spirits will comprehend. And there's a knowing deep down on the inside that there's a track that is right. (laughs) Mm. Brings a lightness and a delight on the inside of us, even though our mind is struggling to understand. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for liberty. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for those things this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here today and you've never surrendered your heart and your life to this wonderful, wonderful Jesus, the Bible tells us that God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal life. Hallelujah. Father, you said that if we want to see the kingdom of heaven, that we have to be born again. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Brian, I, man, I don't understand and I don't know, but I know I need something. I feel it down on the inside of me. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life and surrender to him. Would you just hold your hand up real high for just a moment? I want to pray for you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Yeah. Hands going up all over the place, all over the place, all over the place. Hallelujah. This is the greatest thing you can do. Would you repeat this prayer with me? It's based on scripture in the book of Romans, but just repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, 
I come to you today in Jesus' name. I surrender. I'm tired. I give my life to you. I believe you're here. I believe you're good. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I confess today, Jesus, you are my Lord. I surrender to your Lordship. I believe today this is the beginning of something you're doing in me. And I trust that you're going to complete it in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you for every person that, first of all, prayed this prayer, that you have begun something on the inside of them, that they will never be the same again. And, Father, I pray for this congregation of men and women that we leave here today light, lighter than we came, that we leave here today with boldness and with power, that you have changed us, and that, Father, we are learning keys in a way that we can embrace you and your power. And so, Father, I thank you that burdens are lifted at Calvary. I thank you that souls are set free this morning. And Father, I thank you that we walk in that peace that passes all understanding. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said amen. Amen.